Hello, I'm Adam Spencer, and this is Telstra Behind the Mic. Today, we will meet one of Australia's great tech innovators. Forget Tel Aviv in Israel. Sayonara, Silicon Valley. Bye-bye, Bangalore. My guest developed her tech company in remote Kakadu, miles away from any funky city warehouse space with not a football table or coloured beanbag in sight. Michaela Jade is the founder of multi-award-winning digital company In Digital, Australia's first Indigenous digital skills training program, which teaches kids how to bring Indigenous cultural knowledge, history and language to life through augmented reality, Minecraft and Python coding. A proud Cabrigal woman, Michaela was chosen as one of 21 Indigenous entrepreneurs to attend the Prime Minister's reception for Indigenous innovators and entrepreneurs in Canberra. She's a United Nations Permanent Forum Indigenous Issues Delegate, a Tribal Link alumni member, entrepreneur in residence at the University of Wollongong and fellow of the Australian Rural Leadership Program. And if that's not enough, she's also on a mission to increase the number of Indigenous people in the tech space and make generational change. Michaela Jade, welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you're a, a Cabrigal woman. Tell, tell us about the Cabrigal people. The Cabrigal people are the people of the Liverpool and George's River area of the Sydney Basin. We are part of the Darug-speaking nations of peoples from the Sydney Basin, and we've been living in that area since time began. And, that, and that's the, the fascinating thing for me about this, this, this culture, this rich cultural thread that runs through Australia. As a storyteller myself, I love the idea. I've got kids. I tell them stories. Some of them are similar stories to what my parents told me. But to think that there's tens of thousands of years of oral history and stories that have been passed down in regions in Australia is really just, is a beautiful and mind-blowing thing, isn't it? Oh, it's incredible. And you know, there's 300 different nations of people in Australia. So can you imagine how many stories there are over 80,000 years? But at the same time, some of these stories are at risk of being lost forever. Yeah, well, we say that they're being put to sleep. So we don't like to think of our knowledge or language or law being lost forever. Uh, but we do have situations where old people uh, don't have the opportunities to pass on language to younger generations or stories. And sadly, Australia has the um, highest rate of Indigenous language extinction in the world. So there's around 13 languages that are passed on to children um, from around 800 dialects. So it's quite a desperate situation for our peoples to continue our language. And the really important part about learning a language and keeping a language is it's so much more than words. What um, do you mean by that? So you said my name of my tribe, which is Cabrigal, the Cabrigal people. We, oh, you probably know of Cabramatta in Sydney. Mm -hmm. uh, so Cabramatta actually is made up of the words matter, which means water, and Cabrigal or cabra or cobra, which means cobra grub. So it's the place in the water where the cobra grub is. So every one of our words has meaning attached to it. And if we took, if we extrapolated that and we went to the place of the Cabrigal people and we didn't see the cobra grub in the water, then we would think that there's an environmental problem going on there. And, 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 it's, and it's capturing this knowledge and this storytelling tradition is where you come in. You said, quote, I always wanted to tell stories on country through augmented reality. It's just taken a while for the tech to catch up with my vision. First question... Why augmented reality? 
Well, I always had this vision that uh, we could tell stories from the place that they're supposed to be told and that stories could be told in the right seasons. And I, my initial vision was actually holograms. And that happened in 2012, Adam. So I had to wait a really long time for technology <laughs> to catch up to be able to create holograms where it didn't cost a million bucks to do. You started a tech company from somewhere as remote as Kakadu. Yes. How, how did that come about? I presume that would have been quite a challenge. It was really a challenge. Um, so I started with my vision on my own country in Sydney. Um, I was wondering around like petroglyphs and wondering what they meant and what I was supposed to know about them and saw augmented reality at the University of Canberra and then went to Kakadu because my partner became the park manager there. And I... I guess we just went boots and all to Kakadu and I had to work out how I was going to create this vision from a remote locality and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened um, for achieving this vision. Why? Because I think when you're trying to do cutting-edge tech in an urban environment, there's lots of people looking over your shoulder, there's lots of people asking you for advice and giving advice maybe that's unsolicited um, <laughs> and we had a 20,000 square kilometre co-working space with 13 tribes of people that have had continuous connection to their country. And I learned so much from those people about cultural protocols, um, how we shape Indigenous cultures in the digital technology futures. So looking at combining cultural intellectual property, looking at the possibility of using this technology to assist Indigenous communities around Australia to continue to share the stories um, while also being able to earn an income and some kind of economy from country. So tell us about Indigital. How, how did Indigital come about and what, what, what's the sort of driving mission of it? So there's 400 million First Peoples around the world and the majority of those peoples don't have access to a digital future. And we all know that the digital economy is in full swing and we have a whole bunch of people that are being left behind in that economy. So I saw augmented reality and storytelling as something that could inspire a new generation of people to see themselves in technology futures. And the really exciting part of the work that we get to do now is seeing those ideas spark in remote communities and listen to young kids who might have only just seen a hologram for the first time, imagine what else you could do with that. Well, let, let, let's let, let's get geeky, dive in. Tell us about this mixed yeah. reality platform. You've collaborated with Telstra Purple and and Microsoft. What 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 is the platform? What are you able to do? Yeah, so the problem that we faced when we built our first app was that the technology was super expensive. So it was 150 grand to make our first application. Mm. And yeah, you can imagine um, on a park ranger's salary, that was pretty difficult <laughs> to service that kind of loan. Um, so when we made it, it went really, uh, it was very successful. I ended up at the United Nations in New York talking about mm. how augmented reality could be used for Indigenous cultural storytelling and then more people wanted to do it. And the complicating factor for that was we only had a limited budget and each time I wanted to put content in the platform, it's costing about $8,000 a piece. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> when you extrapolate that out of 300 nations just in Australia and the kinds of stories people want to tell, it's a very expensive way of telling stories. Uh, so we worked with Microsoft and Telstra to reshape how the augmented reality production workflow happens 
And we used artificial intelligence to help us with all those complex coding parts that we had to employ engineers for before. So the platform, uh, we teach children how to create characters. We teach them how to rig the characters. We teach them how to animate the characters. We teach them how to create worlds in Minecraft, which forms the landscape of the augmented reality experience. And then we teach them how to record language appropriately. And our platform takes those three pieces of content they create, stitches it together and pushes it out into the real world an augmented reality experience. At, at, at the same time, you, you, you're drawing on the knowledge of, of elders within these communities. I, I, I know in, in my own world recently with the, the lockdown, I was getting my mum to communicate with myself and my kids through Zoom. And the, the joy in, in us, we, we explained to mum how to turn off the mute function at her end so that we could hear her. And the moment she did that, there was joy on both ends of the line. I think similar to what it must have been like when when man landed on the moon at Houston Control. We were blown. You know, getting, I don't mean disrespectful to older people, sometimes getting them to interact with the cutting edge of technology can be challenging. Has that been a challenge at your end? Not really. I've been really surprised by that. So um, being the first kind of group of people to create Indigenous holograms, um, we had a lot of questions around that, particularly to do with cultural law Mm. um, and the appropriateness of doing that because a lot of cultures across Australia have death protocols and we had to think really carefully about how we were going to manage these holograms after someone passes away. And I was really surprised at the gusto of the Kakadu community around these complicated questions and I went through this whole process of cultural licensing and protocols with the community and they said we just want to be left there because we know the right story will continue to be told and that was really surprising to me as an Aboriginal woman being told my whole adult life that our peoples don't like um, our images and voices Hmm. being heard after we pass away and it it really made me realise that this is it, they have different arrangements for different communities and some communities are more comfortable than others in having their content live on in a digital format. And, and that's the fascinating thing about this program. People are learning aspects of culture, aspects of community, aspects of storytelling. And at the same time, people are learning digital skills that they might traditionally have not had as much access to. There's a big sort of training component to all this, isn't there, to try and close that digital divide between Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities. Can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that everyone had the opportunity to learn digital skills and we wanted to make sure everyone had the opportunity to do that through an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultural lens. Um, So we basically, we found that educators either are really great at tech and not so strong on cultural competency or really amazing in cultural competency and not so great A at bit tech. clunky on the tech end of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we kind of, that's where we saw in digital being able to play a role and really bridge the gap between cultural competency and digital skills development. Mm-hmm. And we've created a curriculum that's anchored to the Australian curriculum for ages 8 to 14 at the moment um, to help teachers find a place for this program in their classroom. Wonderful. Now, we're, we're talking tech, and it's, it's, it's not possible to have a tech talk in 2020 without an acronym. This one I'm going for is IDX, which stands for Indigenous Digital Excellence. This is a really interesting... It's a national movement that Telstra is the founding funder of. Tell us about IDX, and what does Indigenous Digital Excellence mean, as far as you're concerned? Yeah, so this comes out of the National Centre for Indigenous Excellence in Sydney and they work across the country 
upskilling Indigenous communities in cutting-edge tech, including drones and fun things like that. Um, They've been very successful and um, we're really happy to partner with IDX on the programs that we're delivering across Australia. Indigenous digital excellence to me means that our people have the opportunity to dream our own dreams in technology futures, to be enabled and equipped to be able to build those dreams and to be able to be successful in a digital future from our own country. And a big part of that is is, is connecting with younger people in particular in, in sort of languages that they know. Tell us about the Minecraft challenge. This is this is a fascinating way to sort of inspire community builders of the future. Yeah, so Minecraft is a fabulous platform to get kids interested in gaming, in coding, in thinking in three dimensions. Um, so we use the program for a couple of things. One of them is to think geospatially about landscapes and environments that our stories are told in. Uh, The second part is we use a little function in Minecraft called make code and we work with indigenous languages in that make code function. And the last thing that we've developed um, with Matt Heffernan who works with us uh, is a indigenous hairy man challenge in Minecraft. So we teach kids the basics of Python coding so they can spawn a hairy man um, attack in Minecraft, and the kids have to work out cultural ways to protect themselves from the hairy men. I, d- I don't play much Minecraft. I don't. What, what's a hairy man attack? <laughs> so, am, I, am I sounding ancient by asking that? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I, when this was dreamed up, I was like, really? Kids going to have fun doing that? Um, yeah, so we've got, uh, in my culture, we call it Duliga. It's a, a traditional hairy man. It's a um, they eat children, basically. Ah. Um, yeah, there's lots of different hairy men kind of stories around different cultures around Australia. Um, so Matt's community in the territory also have hairy men. And so you're taking a traditional indigenous narrative, yeah, and and retelling it through the modern gaming phenomenon of Minecraft. Yeah, we are. So, um, and kids have to think carefully and listen carefully to the story about the Dulagor the different variations of hairy men um, to think about what they need to do in that world to protect themselves um, in the Minecraft world. So we are actually doing a really special program in a community in the Central Desert, working with them to translate the whole program end to end in their language first so they can participate in the digital skills program in their own language. I'm speaking with Michaela J. She's the founder of the multi-award winning company In Digital. You've talked us through the, the, the challenges involved in getting Indigital up and running and it and it's flying along now. Are you familiar with any programs like this anywhere else in the world, Michaela? I'm not familiar with anyone doing the kind of digital skills development programs that we're doing through augmented and mixed reality and Minecraft. Um, I know that there is some Minecrafting in New Zealand uh, with the Maori community and there's some communities in Canada that use Minecraft um, as a platform to help express cultural knowledge and language. Um, But I'm not aware of anyone pulling all the pieces together to help kids make augmented reality themselves through a cultural lens. So I think we are in a world first. (laughs) Um, We work closely with communities in Canada and New Zealand and the US. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't heard of anyone doing it elsewhere yet. And is, is there the potential here if this really takes takes root with some of these younger Indigenous Australians of getting them to consider a career 
in tech, not just within th- these vehicles here, but more broadly the, the tech space? Yeah, that's the aim. Um, we're working really hard with Microsoft and Telstra to find career pathways for these kids. So the last thing we wanted to do was introduce them to this really cool tech and then say, see you later, you're on your own. Um, so we work with Microsoft and Telstra at the moment to look at job pathways, whether it's into traineeships or other opportunities. Um, And the other really exciting thing about this, Adam, is our people think in three dimensions. When we're talking about dreaming or cultural knowledge or law, we're never thinking in two dimensions on a canvas. So being able to express our culture in three dimensions is hugely exciting for a lot of communities around Australia who can then enter things like the $30 billion gaming industry with their cultural creations. I know you're using tech to tell the story of, is it Namande, the 60,000-year-old figure of the Kakadu National Park. We talked about your partner, the Kakadu Ranger. Tell us a little bit about Namande and how the Namande project's going. Yeah, Namande was uh, a pro- program that we did with Neville Namanyuk, who's um, from Munmoy Station in Arnhem Land. And that was the first augmented reality that we created in Kakadu or anywhere actually. And it was fantastic because Neville um, had this vision of what he wanted to see in three dimensions through augmented reality. And we worked really closely with him to go from the rock art where Namande are painted on the rock art, which is around 25,000 years old painting. Um, and then we worked with him to do some graphic design around what does his character look like in three dimensions. Um, and that was a really interesting process because uh, he's binning man and he had his English is not his first language and my English is my first language and we had some miscommunications around aspects of the character. We ended up drawing this huge penis um, in three dimensions and he's like, no, 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 that's the clothes. Um, We've all done so, that. We've all been there. So, yeah, we had to do some iterations of the number day. Um, and then we had this frustrating process, Adam, where usually when you're animating characters, you do a storyboard and you have to cut down every one second what this character's doing with sound effects and movement. Mm-hmm and colours and it was just so frustrating for us to work like that um, that Neville one day just said, you just film me on the iPhone and I'm just going to be the Namande and we can work out how the character moves from there. <laughs> so it helped us like create this whole new way of creating three-dimensional characters for Indigenous, um, yeah, indigenous work. Um, so we were able to basically rig the character um, based off the video that we took on the iPhone. And, um, yeah, and then we uh, were able to put that through in augmented reality in a way that expressed his culture appropriately. This is what is so exciting about this, Michaela. You've got got a a, a talented, precocious, young individual woman like yourself teaming up with one of Australia's biggest, most prominent corporations. You've got ancient storytelling of tens of thousands of years old and the most cutting-edge digital technology that we have all coming together. To, to preserve story and language and expose Indigenous young Australians to the digital world. You, you must be so proud of what you've done and thank you so much for sharing the Indigenous story with us today, Michaela Jay. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, it was great to share our story. 